0: Hey everyone, it's Tage. Uh, before we get started with our special guest episode with Sam Schwartzstein from Amazon Prime, I just wanted to say on the episode that came out on Wednesday, we just wanted to apologize for the audio quality that came through when we submitted the audio file to the website that we use to upload this podcast to Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts. And we will make sure it doesn't happen again. Really appreciate everyone that reached out and said that the audio sounded off in the episode. It, it sounded like we were underwater. So just wanted to let everyone know that we felt pretty bad about that. And uh, thanks all again for, for listening and everything. And we will now go into our episode with Sam. Welcome back everyone to the 25th episode of the Take the Points Podcast part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm your host today, Tate Seth. And we're having a special episode today. My other host, Arjun Menon, is on a business trip in New York City investigating why Zach Wilson has been so bad under pressure this year. So I'm enjoyed by my friend and Amazon Prime, Sam Schwarzstein, who can be found on Twitter at ChrisSchwartz, S-C-H-W-A-R-T-Z, and Steens. And his work account can be found at PV Sports Stats Prime Video Sports Stats. Sam, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you?
1: Doing good, yeah. Follow at PV Sports S. That one's easier to say than Schwartzstein's S. You know, <laughs> my, dad doesn't, my dad didn't think about uh, uh, Twitter when he came up with my last name. So,
0: <laughs> Yeah, I no, really appreciate you coming on. And, you know, we usually preview games on, on this show, but there's not a ton of games to preview this week that really caught my eye. And, like, you have such a unique role with what you're doing with Amazon Prime. So we're really going to talk about broadcast as a whole how to fit analytics into media, and then we'll dive into some general topics about XFL quarterbacks, 2021 quarterback class, and then talk about the game that you're currently in Houston for right now, Eagles-Texans. So for those who don't know, can you describe the role that you're working with with Amazon Prime right now?
1: Yeah, so I'm the uh, producer of analytics and insights on Thursday Night Football, right? So focusing on right now just TNF and how do we better integrate analytics and then what insights you can draw out of those analytics on air. So I'm also known as like the analytics expert amongst the crew. So when there's different ideas about, hey, how do we help describe win probability or how do we describe CPOE and like... What, what is that? So how do we integrate that analytic first, but then also what's the insight we can pull from that? What is that telling us something that we did not know before or traditional stat- statistics could not tell us? And so working with this crew for the past few months, as we've really evolved how we've done it, and then uh, where we see a lot of our integration is focused mostly on uh, the Prime Vision broadcast with NGS, so Next Gen Stats. So on our Prime Vision, we're super serving fans, giving fans and our customers um, more of what they asked for, so the the all twenty two camera angle, um, nameplates on players, the routes drawn on the screen in real time, uh, and then di- you know distance. And every week we're trying to update, give them more information, more insights into you know what we uh, what fans want.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think it's such a cool role to have and something that you know every broadcast should have, and that's been a common talking point this year with how fourth down decisions are being explained on broadcasts and when probability is being explained. So when you're going into a game, are there certain metrics that you like to look for that you think will come up during the actual game when it gets played out, or do you kind of just look at things generally and kind of like find specific matchups based on the week and kind of alter it um, when, when you're going into a Thursday night game?
1: Yeah. So the, fir- the first thing that, that we always look at is what, how is teams on each side of the ball from an EPA standpoint, right? Um, And we're not looking at traditional statistics with that. Why we focus on EPA is because that's the metric that our crew, we feel like is giving the best efficiency metric for it. So analytics world, everyone kind of falls into what's the team doing EPA. And that's where we're looking at. The next one that we're always looking at is optimal call rate. That's defined by next gen stats powered by AWS as when a team chooses to go for it, when it's been a plus two plus percent, the, um, recommendation to go for it how often do they, the teams follow that model that's one that we want to look for so that when those situations come up we can help communicate to everybody whether a team will be likely or unlikely to go for it right and so if the if teams are, are following that way of the model that their their team's models are matching up with what ngs is giving out that's when we you know we're able to give that and then the rest of it's likely um uh uh, team specific. So going into this week, you know, looking at Damian Pierce, we're going to look deeper into rush yards over expected because he's one of the best at it. Um, he's, he's breaking tackles. He's having a lot of people at his face in the line of scrimmage. He's able to still produce at those things. So we're looking at rush yards over expected certain teams are not going to look at that. We didn't look at that as deeply with miles Sanders, but um, on the same on the in the same game, right? But we're going to look at separation on go balls for AJ Brown based on his success last week and Devontae Smith. How they've had such high, they've had a lot of completions with low completion probability, right? So it's following, you know, both Uh, it's it's looking at from a two-sided market. What analytics really stand out when we're looking at each team, right? We're looking at the matchups and go. Okay, why is why is um, Philadelphia so good on offense and defense at EPA? And then we go to the film and the film will tell us, okay, they're running RPO, uh, look like they're running RPOs a lot. Oh, they're now looking, hey, they're one of the highest RPO teams in the NFL. And they're also one of the play action teams. Hmm. So then we come out of the insights. What what they do so well is the play never looks like exactly what a traditional play would be. They, they All their runs look like passes and all their passes look like runs. That's a story that you'll see on Thursday come up. And so it's both analytics will drive us to film and the film will drive us to analytics.
0: I I love that. And and that's such a cool insight about, you know, kind of how they're disguising the the passes and runs. And you mentioned rushing yards overexpected. And I think the next gen stats version of rushing yards overexpected is really interesting because it it was a big data bowl, a competition a couple of years ago. And the zoo, you know, the team that ended up winning the competition built this very complicated convolutional neural network where they're taking a 3D matrix of data With every offensive and defensive player and all these attributes assigned to them at the time of the handoff to create that rushing yards over, that expected rushing yards metric that can be turned into rushing yards over expected. But when you have someone like Miles Sanders, where it can be affected by the way that Jalen Hurts moves after he hands the ball off, and since the expected rushing yards was determined at the handoff, how do you handle explaining something like that on the broadcast if you even want to have some explanation for that going forward?
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, that that's where it becomes next is like, how do we serve this information up to fans where we don't convolute them and give them that stuff. Right. So the, 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 the take the points podcast and you know, a lot of the unexpected points podcast different than the average viewer, right. Even from the prime vision broadcasters, different people that come on. So how do we give them, you know, 90% of the purity and giving information out there that says we can then help explain it in a different way. So we have the prime insights that show up on the bottom that can help reflect Hey, Miles Sanders, is getting this many rush yards over expected, but then Jalen, their ability to have the QB run and the fake is affecting them as well, right? Mm-hmm. Or when we're explaining, it's accounting for all eleven players and their space that they create. Well, now that that edge defender that's, that's carrying, that's um, responsible for the fake, they're going to be further away from Miles Sanders at the point of handoff because there is that uh, at, uh that part of the fake. So in some situations, it is involved in that. There's other ones where it's like. Rush yards over expected. They're one. They're the best um, short yardage uh, QB sneak team. They have six carries mm-hmm. and they have. Uh, uh, they are supposed to based on expected yardage. They're only supposed to have uh, four conversions. They have all six. Why? Mm-hmm. Well, they have a guy pushing behind Jalen Hurts <laughs> a lot of those plays. Yeah. Right. And so that's not accounting for in those design QB run at rush yards over expected. So there's different ways that, you know we have to then explain it, and that's where the insights part of what we do on this team is providing an extra layer on that. What can't be explained by the model? What can't be explained by certain things? And how do we integrate that way?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I really like that. That's, that's super cool insight into kind of how you guys operate. And you know, going into really like how Amazon Prime is changing the broadcast game, The the stuff that you mentioned about kind of having those little tickers that are explaining stats and everything during the game has been super cool. And, you know, I think really on Twitter, you know, for people who are as online as we are, Film guys and nerds are often at at war with each other. But Amazon has kind of bridged that gap having a broadcast, an alternative broadcast, where there's all 22 being shown throughout the play. And there's stats, fourth down conversion charts, uh, how fast players are moving throughout the play. What have you kind of thought about how unique that broadcast is and how it could change how we view football in the future?
1: And that's exactly what it is, because I feel like myself, I am that blend of I played football and then I use data in my every in my in football world, right? And so like I am a little bit of that blend and that's reflected in what we have in the Prime Vision broadcast is we want to super serve all hardcore football fans, right? And if and people ultimately will become hardcore football fans by watching Prime Vision. Whether they come from the analytics background, they come from the football background, or they just wanna have something more and then we're helping teach them become better football fans. And that's what really this is. If you're on Twitter and you're in film Twitter or analytics Twitter, what the point of why you're following that that side of the ball or that, that area is you want to learn more about football. Right? When teams start running a unique fourth down play, what what's so great about that is that started with you need to convert on more fourth downs. And then they did, looked at plays from college, like the Bush Push, and they've come up with a new way to convert fourth downs with a QB sneak. It's combining the two, and that's really w- what it is with Prime Vision. So, if you want to have more and you want to learn more from it, that's really what it comes down to. and Why Prime has had such a commitment to building each week on what we're currently doing.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it, it's been super cool to kind of see like how Prime Vision has has changed the, the way that we've viewed broadcast this year and when i go and i watch you know a, a different network show their normal broadcast that they've been rolling out for the past you know 10 years now and that i've seen my whole life i'm like a little bit disappointed now that i know like what the potential is for what amazon is doing and like amazon's really trying harder like you even have the dude perfect broadcast that like can get like some of the younger uh people that maybe aren't super into football right now into it because they're fans of dude perfect like you can see that there's there's like kind of pats there for trying all that stuff. And I think that's been something that's like been super interesting to follow and like a pretty big storyline this year.
1: Yeah, I think Dude Perfect's great because there's a lot of fathers and sons that can get into the game and mm-hmm. watch it in a different way. And they're both getting to do the activity they want to do. And what Dude Perfect represents is competition. And that's really what football is, is it's just a big competition. So they're having competitions during the game and whatever gets you excited. And so it's a really cool community. Um, aspect feel. And that's, that's, you know, and Storm and Kramer is another one of our alternate broadcasts that gives more of a casual kind of interview type thing, you know, similar to like other other networks with their interview process. But Storm and Kramer kind of gives you that different feel as well of being able to watch the game, but with your friends and with people who know the game. So it's, it's, you know, we're trying a lot of different things. We're seeing success with a lot of different things. And we're just trying to give fans more and more of the things that they're asking for. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I think a lot of us have been really enjoying it so far. And this is something we've talked about before, but haven't on this show is, I think kind of the next step for this would either be when you're watching a broadcast, if you're into betting, bets will pop up for you on that broadcast. Like you could bet oh the, the drive outcome at the start of a drive, or you could bet a live line right there and then, just from clicking something on your remote. And then if you really want instant analysis, you can have maybe a Twitter feed or a group of people like five thirty eight does where it's constantly updating analysis throughout the game. What are, what are some of your thoughts on, on the next step that broadcast can take when, when football games are happening?
1: Yeah, there's absolutely a ton of stuff that, that that you can do to help integrate from like a second screen or from like a a sidebar activity. Um, let's call it right now. Um, there where people can integrate with the game in different ways, and that's a lot of what Analytics is. There's analytics is giving predictions, giving opportunities, giving an understanding of like what should happen next. And so there's also there's all sorts of different integrations that you can have. I think having a way to interact with the broadcast directly is one of the pieces that we really want to see people do. And so there's different ideas about how could you integrate a fantasy team, have a personalized experience. There's a lot of different ideas that you can do to help integrate and have that more personal connection with the broadcast than just being from a straight viewer standpoint.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a really good point, point. and yeah, I I really appreciate all the insight on you know your role in Amazon broadcast. Now we'll kind of shift into I you know there's there's a lot of to consume football analysis right now, different types of media. So I kind of want to go through and talk about the different ways about how analytics should be explained on these different types of media. So you know we we start with with broadcasts, and when you only have 20 to 30 seconds in between a play to explain something like a fourth down decision or to explain why a team go goes for it on, on two point conversions. How do you usually approach something like that?
1: Well, right now what we're doing is trying to give a sidebar. Um, you'll see that we'll have it. It's all gray right now um, on down and distance and whether it's giving them a model will give a recommendation to go for it based on how far they are from that down and distance. And so there'll be an arrow showing, okay, you're at two yards. This is a, it says it's a go here, right? And so we're kind of, what we're showing there is that um, your ability to convert at different levels at different yardage marks is, is different. And so at, at one conversion probability. We're now giving you, Hey, at, at two yards, you should start thinking about going for it. Mm-hmm. Um, if it were one or inches, you should absolutely go for it. and Things like that. Why we think that method works is we're not explaining EPA to fans and conversion probabilities, right away and decision trees and we're not focused on a lot of stuff that is built are the building blocks for giving out that information um it's really hard when you're trying to give information about some of these things about analytics to fans uh, and not go into all the minutia that comes into creating it right yeah uh, if 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 machines weren't needed to do machine learning to explain it you know, we wouldn't have to have a whole team to do it. Right. You know, that's a whole different person for it. Right. And it's like, so it's a, it's a, it's a thing where, okay, we have to explain certain things and we're now teaching you something brand new, or we're telling you like in a situation where teams being told to go for it, but in a, uh, a situation that's not traditional, you would go for it. That's, one of the harder parts right we're now changing your mindset so we have to move you off another point and so kind of how we're doing it right now is giving that information when you have you know the 18 uh, i look at it as 18 seconds really if you want to do something pre-snap because that's how long a huddle takes uh from my time at the xfl tracking different um or how long it took to operate a huddle get a play in so you have 18 seconds really to get that in and if you want to give the why that's why a model would spit something out that's really difficult Right, looking at what the key drivers are so that's why you know it hasn't been done yet is because it's really difficult to not confuse somebody what we don't want to do is add confusion um or not give it just you and i have had have these conversations on twitter you don't want you want to give the fan and the the viewers and our customers an insight into why something was made or how strong of a decision or strong of a recommendation you can't just give a blanket a black and white one because not not every decision's black and white. And yeah. so like, if you want to be able to find the right balance for it. And that's where we feel like our sidebar right now, putting live win probability up in the second half, really showing it at, at there when it's become more refined. That's that's part of like the process. And, and we iterate more and more and trying to how do we get this information to fans in a better way?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's a that's a great explanation. I think the sidebar has been pretty understandable from from people I've talked to. And so yes, yeah, so that's when you only have, you know, a little bit of time to talk about it. What about if you were on like a, a morning talk show, like a first take or a good morning football, you had, you know, two, three minutes to explain why a coach made a certain decision or why the analytics said to, to have a certain play call, how would you approach that? Would you go into now explaining the really deep nuances about the decision or because of the audience and the amount of time, would you still keep it simpler for the, the viewer?
1: So I would start with what problems we're solving for. So the biggest one is what does the model not know, right? And a lot of people say, well, they don't know how how much how weather affects it. Well, it does, right? So so the NGS decision guide does have weather involved in its model. And then you have to go into, you know, what are all the factors we have? What are the key factors in this situation? Because sometimes timeouts and time left on clock might matter more than your conversion probability, Hmm. right? In different in different aspects. So. How do we create a situational awareness? The other ones is is in a post game situation, it's different than even post plays. We can see how it plays out. But with the Ravens' game against the um, Buffalo Bills, we saw an interception that that became a touchback. Part of the idea was how can we, you know, if we don't score, they start on their two and they don't get an extra fourth down. But even in that game, they got within the five yard line with four downs. So we know the Bills with inside the five yard line with four downs, they were probably going to score a touchdown more likely than not. So in a post game scenario, it said anyone who wants a field goal, tell me how a field goal would have been better when now we know the Buffalo Bills, even without the extra down, would have scored a touchdown. Mm-hmm. they chose to kick that field goal. So we're you know on a post game show everyone's like I don't know why analysts would say this I doesn't make sense your defense played so well. Well they didn't play well enough on that play to stop them from getting into a a, a great spot. They didn't score the touchdown because they chose not to into a spot to score a touchdown. And so you're now explaining okay now we know the information that happened afterwards here's the world that we live in now that we can explain how that happened and right why those decisions are made. And think what we want to avoid is going heavy into game theory because that's where people get lost, right? I'm a big mm-hmm. fan of chess and all the different chess lines that exist and those different universes. that We, we want to avoid that, but where you can find situations that would happen in a vacuum, like the Buffalo Bills-Ravens game. Then you can help explain to people, here's a game theory decision-making process that now that we know what happened in the outcome, we know it's not it was not the best decision and what was not likely to happen. So we're trying to balance what, what when we go into heavy situations, but ultimately what was the key driver into where a model might make a prediction is where we're looking to see how we can help explain this to fans.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I really like that. And you know, talking about the Bills Ravens decision specifically from earlier in the season, you know, John Harbaugh had a couple minutes to explain his reasoning behind it. It's a lot of what you said where he, you know, the defense very low probability that they would stop the bills in in those situations. So he kind of laid that out there. So yeah, th- it is tough to do that, you know, on uh, football broadcasts on when the, these morning talk shows. But the reason why I think me and Arjun have enjoyed doing this podcast so much is this is where we really can get into the game theory, like you mentioned, where we can start to go deep into specific decisions, because there's not really a time limit that we can we can spend on these on these types of things. And I think that's that's really important to have when you have long form articles like the ones that Tom Bliss and Michael Lopez do for Next Gen Stats on, on NFL.com or like podcasts like these where, you know, we'll have people from NextGen like you or, or, or like, like uh, Tom come on and, and talk about these things. It's really important to kind of have more of those detailed discussions about analytics and the decisions that people make because of analytics.
1: And I think that's a really important thing is the audience and the community has buy in. Right. So part of my job is getting buy-in from other people within Amazon, right? Traditional football people. Hey, how do I work with Richard Sherman on being able to, you know, use some of our analytics on coverage and mm-hmm. identification and things like that? And how do I help those guys now take that analytic and then make it something that they can work with? The ones that are the hardest is the stuff that we cannot see on the field, right? Air yards, you know, it's it's not it's in the analytics community we use it, but really it's just measuring how many, how much yards from the line of scrimmage or something thrown, right? So if I'm explaining that to somebody on our staff, it's like, oh, I get that. We're looking at how much of a quarterback's affecting the play down the field instead of how much are you just dinking and dunking, right? Mm-hmm. You've now given me a definition of captive check down. Cool. It's EPA and win probability where a lot of things that are unseen. They cannot be you cannot see that directly on a field. And that's where you know, it takes some time to make the explanation. But if you have a willing audience, which what's been great is with Prime, we've had willing audiences with who we've talked to. That makes the conversation much easier. When there's when you have an audience that's not willing to listen, um, that's where it gets harder. And there's there's you know we're not we're not going to make ground after a conversation.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, definitely definitely feel that, and that's that that's that's what I think it is at the end of the day is it's what what the audience is, and I think like the line that you said that stuck with me was someone watching Thursday night football two beers in is not going to want to hear about EPA win probability, but, you know, someone, you know, maybe listening to uh, one of these shows or reading one of the the articles will want to listen to that stuff, which I think is, is really cool. So we will, we will transition now to talking about, you know, what's, what's been happening on the, on the field this season. And you have in an XFL background, you know, being, being like really the director of rules and innovation at, at the XFL, uh, back when it was being run in, in 2020. And I think like kind of like the, a big story that came out of last week was the play of PJ Walker and Taylor Heineke, you know, both former XFL quarterbacks, like with, with how they performed in the fourth quarter of their game specifically. And these last two weeks, like PJ Walker ranks 10th in EPA per play and Taylor Heineke ranks 14th. So it's really cool to see, I think, quarterbacks that, or have unique skill sets and not for, you know, teams just to, when you get a backup quarterback and that quarterback is like a David Blau or a Chase Daniel or Mike Lennon type, I don't think that's that exciting. But when you get a quarterback that can make plays, even if they have a lot of deficiencies, I think it, you know, can lead to some success. So, what What have you kind of thought watching them so far?
1: Yeah, it's been awesome getting to see them. And, you know, big thing with uh, Eric Galco, who was the director of player personnel at the XFL, helping get those guys in, in, in our in our rosters, right? So I'd i watch PJ for years at the Colts, and, and you know, and he, you know him able to be able to find PJ, get PJ signed, and then get uh, uh, Taylor Heineke signed was was huge for us. And what we looked at is exactly what you said. What are the what is the NFL ignoring about these guys that makes them special for us? right? And even our teams ignored Taylor Heineke. You know, we we signed him. Uh, We thought he should be a starter in in a few of our spots, but he didn't get picked as one of the the premier guys. So then he got put on as a backup for uh, St. Louis. But what about these guys? Well, they're shorter. Okay. So that's why they're being ignored. But then also – they're gunslingers, right? And 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 if you're gonna get signed those guys to be backups, they don't want you want the a lot of teams want their backups to be a system guy. And that's what's given guys like Chase Daniels, South Lake Carol Dragon Legend. Um I was a freshman with him. He played with my brother. And uh, you know, those guys will they play within a system. But really when Chase was at his best was he was a gunslinger in college at Missouri. Got them on the map right after Brad Smith. And then also those guys were, were gunslingers and they took chances and they found a way to, to make it. His. And so what's interesting is to see those guys when they come in as backups, they're playing, you know, um, uh, uh, free and loose. They're not, they don't look like they're trying to play within a system. They're doing what they want to do. Now they still will have a system plays that they'll go through. But, you know, Taylor's just being Taylor looks like a, a Brett Favre out there. Yeah. And what's even great is, you know, he's still on a uh, – uh, uh, one of the, the slogans we had was pay to play, pay more to win. So I paid you double if you won the game.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And he makes 125000 for every win. He has over 60% of the snaps, yeah. right? And so, like, that, that's a lot of money over a season. <laughs> so that's two mm-hmm. games and he's won now. He beat Aaron Rodgers. And then he goes into Annapolis on Wednesday. And he's doubled his salary for the year. <laughs> You know, like, that's a pretty cool concept to see. He's still playing on an XFL-style contract uh, and, and making money that way. And he, and he finds a way to play it. It's because teams ignore them for size. Teams ignore them because they weren't going to be a, a starter right away and play within their system. And mm-hmm. now when they're giving those chances, they're showing what, what made them special.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, that's, that's, that's really cool. And yeah, that's a great point about kind of playing – with house money, from from their perspective, because they are backup quarterbacks that are getting the opportunity to start for various reasons, and you know, I think when you kind of look at Heineke, like my, you know, what, what I really love about him is he was literally doing his uh, mathematics as a graduate student in 2020, and was kind of Washington's uh, emergency COVID quarterback, if you know, all three quarterbacks on the roster got injured or got COVID at the same time. And that's exactly what happened. You know, he comes into the, the wild card game against the eventual Super Bowl champions in the box and is just playing loose, like you said. And and like he he's going to make mistakes throughout the game and he, he's going to throw interceptions. But the reason why they've had these two fourth quarter comebacks these past two weeks is because he's been able to kind of lean into what leverage he has from a player standpoint when you can just ch- kind of close your eyes and chuck something up to Terry McLaurin. Uh, two weeks in a row to kind of get get those wins like you you want to take that opportunity. And, you know, maybe when Carson Wentz was playing in there, he didn't want to risk throwing an interception because, you know, he might have got chewed out for it, or it, he might have been worried that he wouldn't be a starter next year because of it. But I think he's been able to do that because of kind of like the situation that he's in, which has been really cool to to watch these past two weeks.
1: Yeah, I think it also goes to. I don't think we have a talent discrep or issue at quarterback. I think there's a lot of really good quarterbacks coming out of college. If you watch college football, I think we have a coordinator problem. Offensive mm-hmm. coordinators are 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 not creative enough. They come from the same systems. They get hired from a certain other other systems, and they're not making their own mark on on the world of football. And, but when you're an offensive coordinator that has now the backup quarterback. You have to be creative. You know, Doug Ferrar's book, Genius of Desperation, always talks about how you have to be creative. The West Coast offense was because their backup quarterback at the Bengals
0: hmm.
1: had, a, had a bumped shoulder. He couldn't throw over 20 yards. So they had to now spread the ball out from all different spots on the field. Now coordinators, when they have a backup quarterback, well, they can't just go, okay, I got my first overall player and I, mm-hmm. I can do anything I want. That You should always have that mindset. I need to find an edge. I need to find an angle. And then let the guys play free. You cannot call every play because P.J. Walker had a six day, or four days prepared. Mm-hmm. Right? You don't know he's a player. Taylor mm-hmm. Haneke going in. Now he has to play free. You have to limit the, your play calls um, from a strategy standpoint, and then you just have to let him go be them. And that's when quarterbacks are their best. Not every player is going to be Patrick Mahomes or not every player is going to be Andrew Luck that can play within a certain system. Like You have to now – tailor everything you do to that quarterback's superpower. And how do you leverage that's a big Amazon thing is finding your superpower. How do we help leverage that person's superpower and direct them in the right way?
0: Yeah, no, I, I love bringing that up because when you kind of look at the way the, the Cowboys and the Patriots have handled their backup quarterbacks this year, from the Cowboys perspective, Dak Prescott is a supercomputer playing back there. One of the smartest quarterbacks in the league, the way he handles uh, blitzes. And you can see him point out defenders uh, to his offensive linemen. So when Cooper Rush comes in, Kellen Moore really puts out kind of a different offense. It's a lot you know, more on kind of having the supporting cast step up and make plays instead of just putting everything you can on the quarterback to make a decision pre-snap. And you could see that Cooper Rush's uh, first read, EPA, was one of the, the better uh, ranks in the league because of how Kellen Moore was setting things up for him. And he didn't really have to go to his second read that often. From the Patriots' perspective, Bailey Zappi was getting twice as much play action as Mac Jones was getting. He had one of the lowest average depths of target in the league, while Mac Jones had to have one of the highest. And you can see when these play callers get their backup quarterbacks, they realize we're not going to be able to put as much as they play. We don't have a quarterback with as much starting experience as the other the the starting quarterbacks have. So we have to go with a different direction with how we play call these games.
1: No, that's awesome. I love that Bailey Zabinsky stack because that's that's the, the key. Is like every time a a backup quarterback goes in on a new series, I always will point try and point out. I you know eighty percent chance of the bootleg here. <laughs> right? That's the number one play. Like, if you watch college football first week of the season, almost every team's going to start with like a, a bootleg, little slip route to the F or the U tight end coming across the middle or a mm-hmm. little over route. Just let's, let's get the easy completion. Let's get them moving. And, and that's what happens when teams can't do everything under the sun. They can't use their entire training camp playbook. They have to start limiting what they do and, they, and, they, and they'll they'll You'll see if you make the game simpler for the players, the players will perform.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. Now that you bring it up, I, I, I have seen that in so many college football games as a bootleg on on the first play uh, when, when a quarterback comes in. And so, you know, as as we talk about these other young quarterbacks, you know, that I think that a big topic of discussion this week has been the 2021 quarterback class with Mac Jones and Zach Wilson just facing off or faced off against each other in the Patriots-Jets games and both having pretty, pretty bad performances and when you look at the class as a whole right now, Trevor Lawrence ranks 15th in EPA for play. Justin Fields ranks 20th. Mac Jones ranks 25th. Zach Wilson ranks 30th. And Davis Mills ranks 34th. So we're on, we are only have one above average quarterback in, in Trevor Lawrence, and he's barely above average. And then all these kind of other quarterbacks are below average to bad. Where do you kind of see how we should evaluate these quarterbacks, how long we should hold on to our draft priors with them going forward, and maybe kind of like the the situation that they've been in um, and, and how that's affected them.
1: Well, I think, you know, talent evaluation is something that, you know, I, I guess I, I don't really look at from a ton of stuff. I love what Benjamin Robinson does with grinding the mocks. Mm-hmm. I'd rather trust what they do, just a consensus, just like analyst just like analysts do on the, on financial markets. Trust a consensus versus trusting an individual because you'll you'll hit more often doing a consensus. So I, I find that talent evaluation itself is really, really hard and no one's no one's consistent. What I can say is, having you know, worked at the Amazon, looking at what superpowers is, are we seeing the Jets put Zach Wilson in positions where we found Jet, Zach Wilson to be interesting? No one liked Zach Wilson because of his ability to read a defense uh, with normal progressions. It's, wow, we just saw Patrick Mahomes come out here and look weird, look uh, abstract in college, did not look like uh, the, the guy, a normal NFL quarterback, and I see him now in Zach Wilson. Right, has Zach Wilson been given the leash and been given the direction that Patrick Mahomes has? I don't know if I can answer that question. Right, I don't know if you know if he has. I think if you try and make Zach Wilson play within a system like a Jimmy Garoppolo type system, you're going to be disappointed. But if we let if we could see them kind of loose, okay, now we're judging him based on what we saw prior, right? And Trevor Lawrence, you know, his situation, his rookie year versus what you see now, it's it's you know his progression, but he's still first year. I think when I'm looking at, you know, these quarterbacks that are the future of the NFL, uh, all of the coordinators created um, offenses for them. Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, and Lamar Jackson were all seen as projects. Hmm. And no one thought and everyone was like let's let's make an offense for them. So what did Gus Childress do in the first year of Mahomes? Let's steal a lot of air raid stuff. Let's make this, a, you know, you no, know, no. Patrick Holmes, another supercomputer out there, can figure everything out. But it was West Coast plus array to ease him into what they were doing. Josh Allen, you know, every analytics person was like, "What are you thinking with this?" And even film people were like, "Okay, yeah, he can throw the ball a mile, but he's, you know, not accurate at all." Well, they got him. He got a quarterback coach, and then they tailored an offense to where he's the primary on every play. And now we get to see what he can do. Okay, yeah, it, it is good to have the guy who can throw the ball farther than everybody. And I'm gonna get a line. Gets st- they traded for Stephon Diggs. Okay, and then you have Greg Roman what he does with uh, uh, Lamar Jackson. Specifically works for his skill set. Hmm. I don't hmm. know if every one of these 2021 quarterbacks has been given that same opportunity by their teams. And so hard for me to evaluate them 100%. I think in a redraft you can never go wrong for drafting uh, Trevor Lawrence. I think that you know even if he doesn't stay a Jaguar forever, like the skill set we saw from him in college it could translate to certain two teams. And so I'd be excited to see what he could do in another offense if it's not what Doug Peterson has right away. Uh, You know, I'm a big Davis Mills fan. We have him this week on Thursday Night Football. Stanford guy just didn't play a lot of football. You mm -hmm. know, I think he played five games his last year. So giving him more time, more football, and then looking at that roster around him, I think those two guys are guys – no, they were also big-time high school recruits. Those two guys you can absolutely say, I'd I'd give them a little more leash right now.
0: Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a great kind of layout of, of how these quarterbacks look right now. And I think that's a good point about Davis Mills as we, you know, kind of preview the Thursday night game this week, Eagles Texans that, that you're in Houston for is, you know, the, this, this is like the COVID quarterback class, right? Like when you kind of look at how COVID has affected college students, you know, I, I know, uh, specifically is like when, we've taken online exams, you know, from a student perspective, we've taken online exams for two years, we're back to taking in person exams this year. And it's a little bit weird to have to like straight up like study and memorize stuff. Again, it's just been something that you know, I haven't been used to. For These quarterbacks, I'm sure it was weird to, you know, go through a lot of meetings on zoom when those could have been in person or not have as much contact and practices because you you want to socially distance and everything. And it might because it might just take them longer to get going because of that than we usually see and then on top of that like like you mentioned like Mahomes and uh and and Justin Herbert and Lamar kind of being so good in their second seasons I think kind of ruined the way that we uh give a leash to, to quarterbacks I think they they do need time to get going but yeah we'll get we'll get into to Eagles Texans here um you know I I think like so like the good thing about Thursday night games where maybe like the the Teams are are mismatched or they're maybe not like the top tier teams in the league is like as analytics people and, and you watch more film than I do is like I don't watch a ton of film during the week of other teams around the league. So this is my opportunity to check in. And see for the Texans how Damian Pierce is doing, and how Brandon Cooks looks this year post trade deadline, and how Derek Stingley and Desmond King in the in the back are doing. What are what are some storylines that we should be looking at from the Texans' perspective in this game, as, as we try to get a good gauge on them?
1: Yeah, they 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 want to find a go route for Davis Mills. That's where he's most comfortable. So um, especially if Nico Collins is playing but that's one of the things that they're going to really want to do is and they're going to look for that go-route. The other is Damon Pierce, uh, Pep Hamilton. I played for him in college, and then I hired him at the XFL with Oliver, and it, he likes to be pound the rock. They're going to try and be physical up front. They may not have the most talent on the offensive line, but you know they're one of the, the best teams in terms of uh, how they can pound the rock. So he's sixth in yard per carry, and he's number one in rush yards over expected and number one in rush yards. Uh, over expected per carry and using the NGS powered by AWS model. So th- those are some of the big things with Damian Pierce is he's going to be a punishing runner um when he gets the ball and he runs, you know, it's, it's a take from a good morning football. He's an angry runner, right? He's, he's, his hate is hard when he's running. Um The next would probably be, uh, Brandon cooks on those deep balls. He's get, He gets great separation. He also gets a uh, large yard, uh, air yard share. He's 30% of the air yard share uh, for uh, the Texans. So that's, that's another big thing they should see from them. And then they, they run a lot of cover too, right? You're going to see a lot of cover two. Lovey Smith was part of the Tampa two. Part of what I've been doing this week is trying to educate everyone on what Tampa two is, how is it successful? And do they have the right middle linebacker to execute it? Um, which I don't know if they do. And so, I think this, this that's a big thing to see what the Texans have uh, on defense.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I, I think that's, you know, something that's really crucial about kind of when you're a team in a rebuild and you maybe have the coach in place for the scheme that you have to run, but you don't have the players yet, and how coaches adjust their scheme. We see this with Brandon Staley and the Chargers last year. He had all the talent in the world in 2020 where the Rams defense could run you know, his, his too high shell, because when you have Aaron Donald two gapping, it's very, very easy to kind of do everything else around him. When you have Jerry Tillery two gapping in your scheme, you're not going to be able to do that at the right level. Right. So, you know, I think, I think that's, that's really interesting. And like the Texans, you know, have quietly ranked 17th in drop back EPA against this year. So like they've had an okay pass defense, even if the the wins haven't been there, I think, you know, partly because the, their past offense hasn't been good, but, I, I do think it'll, it'll be interesting to see kind of how they approach playing the Eagles because when you sit in cover two against probably the you know third best rushing offense in the league right now, it's going to be a lot tougher to kind of sit in those shells all game long if they just keep deciding to run on you with Jalen Hurts and Miles Sanders.
1: Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see whether they say we're going to still play our game, right? I, it's always like a, I say in the truck, it's identity off. Who's going to change their identity first? Right? Will they say, "Okay, we're going to bring a safety down, and we'll play out of position, knowing, thinking that"? Okay. And so it's like, "I'll play at our, our B plus uh position, but it'll it matches up better." Or will they stay in play and say, "Hey, we have to we, we have to play at our best, I- play within our identity, to give us an opportunity to even win this game." And so it'll be interesting to see how they adapt. You know, we saw last week the Ravens started their entire first half in eleven personnel because they wanted to catch the Bucks off guard. Well, what happens when they go back to card in the game? Well, they start playing well. So they showed that they okay, within our identity, it's better for us to be us than to us to manipulate the defense to try and get them out of position. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, no, I, I love that term, identity off. And I think it's I think that the Eagles um, I, and the reason I've been so excited about them this entire year is they have you know multiple identity disorder, let's call it, on offense where they can win with. Running the ball with Miles Sanders, they can win with outside the tackle rushes with Jalen Hurts. And then through the pass game, too, you have Devontae Smith uh, games where you know he he has gone over 100 yards twice this year, and he's very capable of doing that on his types of routes that he runs in with the press that uh, and his press release that he kind of gets offline scrimmage. And then you have A.J. Brown games basically every week where it's a lot of in-breakers that he excelled on in Tennessee, but... Now we see A.J. Brown win on go balls like he did against the Steelers this past week, which is very scary if you're trying to kind of come up with ways to beat the Eagles offense, like kind of the deep passing game was the one thing that they were still not elite at, and now they look like they're becoming elite at that type of thing going forward.
1: Yeah, I I look at um, well, I think they're second in EPA um, and uh, third in EPA on offense. Um, (laughs) And one of the things that I like about what they do is, they, like we talked earlier on the show, they do not show anything that's expected um, to the defense, right? Everything looks like something else misdirection, some capacity. And that means they're trying to find an advantage, but they also have a mismatch in almost every position. Like, I don't know if they look across the board at other teams and go, where would they trade their guys for? I think if you're looking at number one wide receivers, AJ Brown's up there with the best of them. When you look at number two wide receivers, I think Devontae Smith's up there with the best of them. And then you look across their line, I don't think they would swap any of their offensive linemen for another offensive lineman at the same position. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, and then when you bring that in, Jalen Hurts who operates much like Dak Prescott, getting everyone in the right position, they really have like this identity and blend. And it reminds you a little bit of, of teams that operate and the way they execute when you're watching the film, they execute like top tier college teams do against bad college teams. Right. They look like they move faster with more impetus with, with more, um, uh, uh, with with a more I understand of what they're trying to do versus the defense on almost every game, mm-hmm. and, and 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 you can tell that that uh, Coach Sirianni, who's known around the league as one of the ultimate game planners, and it's interesting he passed off the the play calling, well because he wasn't a play caller in Indianapolis, but he's mm-hmm. one of the fanatical game planners, and you're going to see something unique for every week. They saw they were going to play press coverage against uh, AJ Brown. And they're going to say we're going to we're going to check to a go route every time. And we don't. it almost looked like they didn't care what every other play was on on there. We're going to go to it, and they're going to do it until the, the other team can't stop it. And that's how you got three touchdowns, right? Mm-hmm. And he has the finger guns. Uh, he got the penalty. <laughs> they were okay with that. And so it's like one of those things that where you watch their defense or watch how they play on offense. They're intentional with everything they do, and uh, and and they incorporate analytics to how they can help with game planning, which is what's so impressive about them.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's, that's that's a great point, and. I, I think it's, you know, it was really cool to see Sirianni kind of mention the, the analytics department with the self-scout over the bye week for the Eagles. And, you know, it kind of shows how important that bye week was for them to kind of take what they were doing already at a high level to the next level, which is really scary if you're a fan of another contender in the NFC. But that was, you know, I, I really enjoyed, you know, breaking down uh, uh, Eagles Texans there. So Sam, this is this is great. You know, really, really appreciate you coming on. You know, taking taking the time. You know, while you were in in Houston for this game that that we we talked about. Um, you know, for for everyone out there listening, you know, be sure to follow his uh, work account. You know, at PV Sports Stats. Uh, it's it's Sam Analytics. It's it's from from his brain completely. All the tweets. I was I think it's like fourth follower uh, at the time when it was created. and Now it's at two point five k. So it's really grown like exponentially here. Uh, So yeah, really, really, again, you know, thank you so much for coming on. If there's anything else you want to shout out and plug before we we leave here, uh, feel free.
1: Yeah, I I would really implore everyone to kind of look at the prime vision, whether whatever uh, with next gen stats powered by AWS uh, broadcast um, this week. So just take a look at what we do on Thursday night football, you know, anything feedback, please comment at PV sports, uh, sports stats or at S with any and all ideas. I do read all the DMS. Um, so, you know, if you have anything, we'd love to know more. And that, that's really one of the mantras that we have is we want to build this, uh, for fans and our customers and people that are interested in this. And, you know, we're not going to come up with every great idea on our walls. So how do we, I, you know, everyone thinks they want more of the stuff, less of stuff. Let us know, keep tweeting about it. And, uh, and we're excited to help keep building this thing with all of you.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's great. And yeah, we're all, we're all really excited about what you're doing for the listeners out there. Appreciate you listening. Uh, we will, me and Arjun will be back on wednesday as usual with a review of the week nine slate that happened so pretty excited for that thanks again sam have a good one until next time on take the points